Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. That little commercial, Laura, made us all chuckle about it's getting cute. that. That is good. Yeah. That's well done. I remember when my oldest was, I think, five years old, four or five, and we were doing some shopping uh, right before Christmas yeah. at Princeton's Liquors, which uh, my friend Bill Princeton, who lives in Maple Grove, he owned, well, his dad owned it at the time. His dad has passed, but Bill owns it. Mm-hmm. And... Bill was one of the first to get, like, craft beer, uh, local craft beer, in his uh, liquor store. And we used to uh, go in the back room and... Taste it. Sample. You got to (laughs) do sampling. And I would bring my kids in in the back room because I'm a terrible, terrible parent, and that's what you would do. (laughs) And so we go to Princeton's before going to Chicago to bring my family some Minnesota craft beer. Got it. And Seth, age five, asked if we were going to get some beer to leave for, for Santa. Santa. Yes. I was like, yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. Forget the milk. <laughs> Started a nice, nice tradition. That's cute. Yeah. Uh, I have been thinking a lot today. You know, I'm Catholic, grew mm-hmm. up Catholic, Uh am an infrequent church attendee. Post-COVID sort of made it worse for me, I guess, like many. I think I got out of the habit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being Catholic is not always the easiest road to follow because a lot of the kind of big church decisions don't align with sort of personal type Beliefs. I think many people find themselves in that category. It's a struggle, right? Yeah. And you think like your your religion versus the church, like your your tradition, the way you grew up, what you think the church really should stand for versus the things they focus on. Mm-hmm. You think like, well, can I stick it out, right? And hope that the church comes around. And this morning, I was very surprised, as I think this is big. Most Catholics were that the Pope, Pope Francis, is now allowing priests to bless same-sex couples. Yes. And I do, it, it just makes me think, and we're in such a world where we expect change to happen so fast, right? Right. And we, I mean, imagine in our lifetime, in our lifetime, we're not that old, a same-sex relationship has gone from yes. being widely thought of as some sort of freakish aberration, mm-hmm. weird, right? Mm-hmm. And today, the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, now, it's not same-sex marriage in the Catholic Church. It's not holy matrimony. No, but isn't it recognizing same-sex couples and allowing them to get a special blessing, Yeah, right? Yeah. That's, and the w- a, long, that's a big step. Big to step. think about that, that progression over our lifetime, and, and it's difficult sometimes to zoom out and take that perspective, right? Because you look at sort of the policy kind of arguments we get into on a daily basis, and we've seen 
here in Minnesota, the incredible success of legalizing same-sex marriage, right? Right. Because mm-hmm. think of how many wonderful families we have now uh, because of that yes. change. But how quickly that that went from us thinking we might be banning it. I know. And then all of a sudden, within a year, it was like, nope, mm-hmm. it's legal. You're yeah. Like, Whoa. It happened really fast. And I think there were a lot of people who were very torn on whether or not they supported it or not. And now it's just commonplace and it seems to be fine. And, yeah. you know, right? it's fine. It's fine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and do I think the Catholic Church should allow same-sex couples to have holy matrimony, the sacrament? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. a very difficult theological question and a church-type question. But the fact that, that ah, that you can be a same-sex couple who grew up in the Catholic faith, loves the religion, loves the church, loves all of it, but always felt like they didn't love me back. Right, and that you weren't welcome yeah, the that, way that you are, the way that you can just authentically be. I think it's a big deal. I do too. Um, and I, I, if you're not Catholic or you're not religious, you could look at this and be like, well, it's still other. It's It's still... It's separate and not equal, mm-hmm. right? And that is true. Mm-hmm. That's true. It is. Right. And if I were if I were gay, it'd be hard to be Catholic. Oh Boy, yes. The the gay Catholics who remain are probably, you know, if you're gonna rank someone as to like how how religious you are, you're pretty dang religious. <laughs> like, How do you do it? You love the church. You love that tradition so much, and you understand that some of these decisions really are, are decisions of man, not decisions of, of really what the religion is about. Right, right. But um, it's interesting. You just think about how long certain struggles— for yes. improvement have taken well and that this has gone so quickly is, is striking to it me. is striking and it just it it makes you think about the eternity and the decades and the <laughs> years and years and years of pain yeah. for so many people who couldn't just be themselves right you know what right and now they kind of can yeah I, it's better like it's you know in in the Church is sort of threading the needle. Dan and I were talking about this earlier, yeah. where they're trying to say, like, well, we're not going to have, like, a, a same-sex, like, civil ceremony. Right. Type. They don't we're, want it to look like a marriage ceremony at all, right? Right. Yeah. But you could go on a retreat or you could have a, a, a meeting with uh, your priest or you could have a group and have a yeah. prayer and just the fact that there, that the Pope is saying, we love you, mm-hmm. and we bl- more than love you, that a priest will give you a blessing. It's cool. I just think, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, because I'm not in that situation, I don't know how people will feel about it. I'm curious mm-hmm. if it will bring people closer to the church or, right. or, or still make you... Because I think it's also correct if you feel like, well, still like, yeah, I can't do the thing. We talked with somebody from out front Minnesota about this today, mm. and I didn't do the interview, but I know that they had a prepared statement. Um, they're being rather measured at this point, but still see it as a good positive yeah. step. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking at this from the standpoint of 
an advocacy group that is fighting for equality in all aspects, mm-hmm. this is still a nothing. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, mm-hmm. all right. right. It's a baby step. But as a Catholic, you think this is like – a. To me, it feels like a shattering of a wall. Mm -hmm. And there are still a couple more walls to go, but you can't go through all the walls until you shatter the first. Sure. And so to me, it it seems significant. The other thing that's interesting, and Dan, I'm curious your thoughts, because one 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 of the frustrations with an institution like the church is how slow it is. Mm-hmm. And also, in a world that changes on a dime, there is some kind of cultural benefit to having some things that just go slow. Sure. And now, there's no benefit to you if you're in the fight, right? If you feel marginalized, like there's no benefit. You mean to allow the world to grasp this and understand it really and understand support it? it. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I think there's some benefit to it. Not saying that I agree with the stance. I don't. Like, I think I think women should be able to be priests. And I think, like, all sorts of things that I think that are not aligned with Catholic uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also do value the the deliberative nature of these things. Sure. We were talking about this earlier that, you know, I, I think there is value in it. And, and I, you know, I want to start again by saying that I affirm same-sex marriages and I'm, I'm not opposed to them in any way, shape, or form. But I do think in the same way that when the founders created sort of an adversarial uh, uh, government system, a system with checks and balances, it was designed to make things move slowly. And that gets really frustrating for folks that want change, that want to get stuff done. But the system was designed very much that way because they saw governments around the world that changed very quickly and changed too much too quickly Mm -hmm. fall apart. And I think so there there is a place for an institution like the church. To be sort of, I, I hate to use this term, but a drag on on societal change. Uh, to be asking the questions: Are we sure about this? Do we want to think this through? Have we thought about this? Thing? I think a lot about when, a lot of the science that we do when you're talking about cloning or you're talking about mm-hmm. um, genetic uh, alterations. You know, the church very much opposes that, and I think on grounds that are at least worth a conversation. Hmm. What does this yeah. mean for the sanctity of life? What does this mean? You know, in terms of how we define what a life is, uh, is one this one as a clone distinct from a different from the person that was cloned or whatever. You know, questions like that need to be asked. And, and a lot of times, the world's so quickly. This is I mean, an old Jurassic Park quote: trying to ask itself if they can do something that we don't stop to ask if we should. Mm-hmm. And so, well, again, whole wholly transparent, I totally affirm same-sex marriages. Uh, I do think there is a place for a church to say, okay, but are we sure? Yeah. yeah. Just to have that conversation. Just mm-hmm. have the conversation. I think for the most part yeah. that conversation has been had, and I think the church is starting to catch up, and I think that's a good thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all very interesting. And some of the church stuff, it's so mysterious, right? Oh, like, yeah. The Pope issued a declaration here, which is sort of like an executive order. It's done. It's not a conversation. This yeah. is now, this is policy. So it does make you wonder, like, hmm, yeah. what what will the next Pope do? Exactly. I'd be curious, and this is, for another time, bigger conversation, but I'd be curious to know how, and I'm not Catholic, and so I don't know this, but how does the Pope 
gather the information and become educated on this kind of stuff and look into and research and deliberate, like, how, what is that process and who are his advisors and what is he drawing from to come up with his conclusions? I think that would be super interesting to know. It, and I bet we'll get more reporting about kind of how we ended up here, sure. right? But like uh, James Martin, who is a very prominent advocate for LB, uh, LGBTQ Catholics, he's a Jesuit priest, very interesting Twitter follow, James Martin is, um, and he's met frequently with the Pope okay. on this issue. So I wouldn't be surprised if if James Martin was a key part of his thinking. Sure. And and Francis was sort of inclined to go this way from the beginning. So yeah. his appointment as Pope, um, you know, you I think most observers expected this would be at least part of the conversation, mm-hmm. not knowing which way it was going to move, but that it would be a conversation. Right. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Laura, thank you. Mm-hmm. 521. We're going to do the D-Rush Hour news headlines in just a minute, including news of a big music festival in the Twin Cities. An amazing story that I just loved about a bunch of sisters working inside Minnesota prisons. And that era is about to come to an end. Uh, plus, why is a Cargill air buying a bunch of homes in the city of Duluth way over market price? D-Rush Hour news headlines next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 525, time for the D-Rush Hour news headlines on this December 18th. We begin with news of a big music festival, a summer music festival in the Twin Cities. Is that is that a Yacht Rock, little Yacht Rock, Dan? I mean, they're calling it, what, the Minnesota Yacht Club Minnesota, thing, right? So yes, there you go. You got to have Yacht Rock, right? I hope the whole, wouldn't it be great if the whole music festival was Yacht Rock? That'd be brilliant. Chris Schneider. <laughs> I do not think it would be brilliant, actually. Are you going to sell thirty to 35,000 tickets a day nope. for Yacht Rock? You'd have some very happy people. <laughs> yes, you would. Disturbing how many songs. When you when you tune to the Yacht Rock uh, satellite radio station, how many? Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I only listen to News what Talk. What is this satellite radio of which you speak? WCC. Chris Riebenschneider in the Star Tribune reporting the concert company that did Lollapalooza, Austin City Limits. Uh, they announced a two-day event at uh, Harriet Island in St. Paul next July, the 19th and 20th, uh, called the Minnesota Yacht Club. It's a good name. I like it. Uh, we'll see. We We have no idea who's playing. 20 acts a day, two big stages. Uh, we'll find out in mid-July, or mid-January, mid-July, dang thing. Will be, you will find out for sure who's playing in mid-July, but they're going to announce it in mid-January. The promoter leading the festival says, hey, the Twin Cities is a big enough market to support five major league sports teams. Come on. It can support a major league music festival, too. The Sister Act at a Minnesota prison is about to come to an end. 
Mary Devine and the Pioneer Press reporting that when Sherry Anderson Bone retires on January 2nd, it'll be the first time in 42 years that someone other than one of three sisters has held the post of executive assistant to the warden in Oak Park Heights. 42 years that three sisters had this gig. Penny Anderson Karesh was the first. She started as a 19-year-old in 1973 to work in the Steno, the Steno Pool at the Stillwater Prison. But she became uh, the warden's executive assistant. And when the warden was moved to Oak Park Heights, uh, Penny came along with it. When she decided to retire or leave, her older sister, Connie Anderson Davis, got promoted to the gig. And then when Connie left, the baby sister, Sherry, worked her way up. Together, these three sisters have worked for 12 wardens, two active wardens. Paul Schnell, who runs the Department of Corrections, says it's an impressive family legacy because they had, they all were married, so they all had married last names. Most people didn't know they were all sisters. Uh, but end of an era. Pretty cool. Labor unions in Minnesota spend more on political races than unions do in almost any other state. Minnesota reformer reporting that Minnesota public sector unions. So you're talking about like the state and city employees, the teachers, the personal care attendance unions. Those public sector unions rank third in the amount they spend on state and local elections behind Illinois, behind California. Pretty wild. Uh, these unions. Well, it makes sense if you think about it. The unions in Minnesota and their affiliates spent $13.2 million on state and local politics in the 2021 to 2022 campaign cycle. Election Minnesota is the biggest donor. Election Education Minnesota, the teachers. Uh, Governor Walls got the most money, $16,000. And the DFL, State Central Committee, got $3.9 million. Um, nationally, business interests donate way more than labor unions do. But here in Minnesota, the labor unions do uh, have an outsized influence compared to in other states. Why is a Cargill heir buying homes in Duluth way over market price? In Forum, the Duluth paper, Jimmy uh, Lavrian reporting that Kathy Cargill has bought and demolished seven homes on Park Point in Duluth over the past year. They're above market value. Rumors are swirling over what's going to be built in their space. It's a, the Do you guys know Park Point? It's a seven-mile-long sandbar. Uh, seven addresses. She paid $4.6 million, which is about $2 million over market value. She wouldn't tell the reporter uh, what she was going to do with it. But she did threaten to sue his newspaper for writing about this. The homes we bought were pieces of crap, the billionaire told the reporter. I couldn't imagine living in any of them. So we'll see. Maybe this could just be one monster mansion. Maybe it'll be a resort. Who knows? Very unusual place, uh, Park Point. And certainly noteworthy when a Cargill starts buying up homes. That's the D-Rush Hour.
news headlines here on CCO. You can always find the D-Rush Hour news headlines on our podcast. You can subscribe through the Odyssey app, but we're everywhere. Drive Time with D-Rush is available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube Podcasts, wherever you go. We are there for you. Take a break. Dave Schwartz next. Where are we on the absolute embarrassment, quarterback shuffle situation of the Minnesota Vikings, who somehow could still win their division? Uh, Schwartzy joins us when we come back on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.